Hello there and a very warm welcome to episode 27 of the Frantic Football Podcast on World Football Index. I'm Neil Shalat and I'm delighted to welcome back Rafael Adelukba to the podcast. How are you doing, Rafael? I'm doing good, Neil. Um, obviously, happy to be back on the podcast after a couple of uh, episodes uh, for Ray or whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I'm doing good. Um, I hope you and Alex are doing well as well. Yep, and as you say, we've also got Alex Barker joining us. Hello, Alex. Hello, Raphael. It's nice to see you. Last time I saw you, we had seven things to talk <laughs> about, and uh, it's good to see you back. <laughs> I'm sure he just said glad. Uh, well, let, let, let's see. Well, at least Man United are back in form, so you know oh, nothing's gone yes. wrong since. Nope, not nothing at all. <laughs> good, good weekend, wasn't it? I thought, I thought you forgot about that. So, uh, yeah. uh, anyway, uh, we we won't really be talking about that game. Uh, we instead have loads of other stuff to go through. We've got a couple of uh, titles decided. Uh, we've got some news from uh, the CAF Champions League and CAF Confederation Cup, where the regular group stage ended. We've got, obviously, loads of stuff from Europe, uh, loads of leagues starting in the Americas, so some stuff from there, uh, and absolutely tons of stuff on the managerial front. There's been loads of movement uh, over the weekend, so we'll have lots to discuss there. Uh, but yeah, it's it's looking like a very busy agenda. So without further ado, let's so let's get started. Let's quickly start. We will come on to the managers uh, towards the end, but let's first start with some of the titles decided. So, first of all, in Australia, we had Sydney FC become the Liberty A League Premiers, that's the A League Women's uh, Premiers. So, so, they finished first uh, in the regular group stage for a third straight season, which is uh, a, a new record. And of course, the, the real title in the A League is decided at the end of the playoffs. So, the top four qualify in the Liberty A League. And besides Sydney, that's Western United, Melbourne City, and Melbourne Victory. Uh, Canberra United ended up missing out on goal difference. They played a super exciting game with Melbourne City, which ended 3-3 in the end. They scored twice in the last 10 minutes, but couldn't get that all-important uh, third goal, in, uh, fourth in the match, uh, to, to go through. So we'll, we'll have uh, the, the women's international break is coming up. So we'll have the playoffs after the international break. But we'll see Sydney FC against Western United in one sort of semi-final, if you can call it that. But it, the format's a little bit different. So the top two play each other. Uh, for, the winner goes through to the final. The loser isn't eliminated. They play in the second playoff, so to speak, because the match between the third and fourth is a sort of eliminator where one goes out and the other still has to play against the loser from the top two match uh, to advance to the final. So it's an interesting format. Uh, I, I, for uh, I suppose our listeners who are also cricket fans, they'll be familiar with this with the Indian Premier League, for example, the IPL. Uh, so it's it's that that sort of format. But as I said, that's a couple of weeks away, so we we think about that at the time. Elsewhere, uh, over in South Africa, uh, Mamelodi Sundowns became uh, the once again became champions for the sixth straight season. 
they, they weren't in domestic action this week, but uh, other results besides below them dropping points le- led to that title being decided. They were playing in the CAF Champions League. Uh, the final round of the group stage, as I said, but seven of the eight quarterfinals were decided. The only remaining match, which we've spoken about a fair bit before, was Al-Ahli against uh, Al-Hilal. This was in Egypt. Uh, Al-Ahli got permission to uh, allow 50,000 fans into the stadium. And within two days, the tickets were fully sold out. It was, it was uh, a, a great atmosphere, it looked like. Uh, and Al-Ahli delivered. They won 3-0. Uh, so they advanced to the quarterfinals. Al-Hilal missed out. But uh, it was an impressive campaign from, from them. So... Uh, they, they, they should be pleased with that. And over in the Confederation Cup, uh, it was Egyptian sides involved again. Again, seven of the eight quarterfinal spots decided. The only one remaining was a straight head-to-head between Pyramids FC and Future FC. Uh, and Pyramids FC ended up winning 2-1. So Future, in their first ever uh, Confederation Cup under, under, the, under, under the Future guys, have gone out in the group stage. And Pyramids are through to the quarterfinals for, I believe, the third straight season. Uh, so that's that from Africa. We have the state championship obviously ongoing in Brazil. We've got uh, finals taking place. These are two-legged affairs, I should say. So no, no real results yet. But a couple of couple of big score lines from first legs that I've got for you is uh, Flamengo taking a two-nil lead over Fluminense at home. So they look set uh, certainly in the driver's seat. To win the title there, and uh, a big shock result was uh, Agua Santa, who were only uh, promoted to their to the top flight of their regional league uh, in 2021, beating Palmeiras uh, 2-1 at home. This they do still have to go to uh, Allianz Park and and you know hold on to this lead. So it's it's certainly not an easy task for them, but this will be a huge result for the club. Who I I couldn't I don't believe they play in the national system. They only play in in the regional leagues, and I think they only went professional about a decade ago. So this, if if they can pull this off, this would be a huge huge shock. But we'll keep an eye on that uh, in the next week. Anyway, elsewhere, quick note from Belgium is that we've got three of our four championship playoff sides. First, Genk and Royal Union Saint Gilles had already sealed their birds, but Royal Antwerp have joined them thanks to a late brace from uh, Toby Alder Viral. One header, one penalty uh, to, to beat Zulte Baragem, which takes Antwerp as well through to the championship playoffs. Three rounds of the regular season left. Uh, so still some stuff to uh, sort out during that fourth spot. Uh, the, the European playoffs box and of course relegation. Uh, then over in Sweden, we had Allsvenskan get underway. Uh, Malmo uh, beat Kalmar in the first match. Uh, and as we record this, I believe we've had kickoff between Elfsborg and Beko Hecken. Beko Hecken, of course, the defending champions who won their first ever also has come title last season. So this is their first title defense. Let's see how they get on. Then let's pop by to Venezuela, where Academia Puerto Cabello, who we've spoken of before, preserved their 100% record with a winner in the 100th minute of their match. 10th minute of stoppage time, super, super late, super late drama. But they remain first and have now have now got 24 points of eight games. Uh, one perfect record that no longer exists is St. Louis Cities because after becoming the first side, first uh, expansion side, I should say, to win their first four and then five MLS matches, they've lost to Minnesota, Minnesota a penalty goal deciding that match. Their perfect record's gone. Uh, then... 
Let's go to Uruguay where we had the Clásico Peñarol against Nacional and it was a club uh, Atletico Peñarol who ended up winning 2-0 to stay at the top of the table. They have 20 points from 9 games. The Nacional 5 points below them in 5th spot after that result. Uh, and then let's let's now head over to Europe. And some, some, some small matches like uh, the Classicer where, uh, well, what can I say? Dortmund did Dortmund things again. Uh, I, I don't think anyone's surprised by what happened. Uh, it was some 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 very very avoidable goals conceded, uh, but of course that was uh, Thomas Tuchel's first match in charge of Bayern after Julian Nagelsmann was sacked during the World Cup break. Mm, it was not I I wasn't blown away by that performance. I think it wasn't particularly exceptional, but Dortmund very much handed the victory on a silver platter to them, so they they gladly accepted and they're at the top of the table now, and you can expect them to run away with it. Uh, speaking of running away with titles, we've got Napoli, who are definitely going to win Serie A. But they were facing defending champions Milan this weekend, uh, who they'll also face in the Champions League quarterfinals uh, in, in a week, uh, just over a week's time. Uh, and this was a huge result. It was 4-0 uh, to Milan. Of course, they've been struggling lately. In fact, I think they hadn't won any of the last four matches. But for this match, uh, Stefano Pioli returned to the 4-2-3-1 system that they used to such great effect last season, uh, he de- deviated away from it uh, from over the last couple of months when results were bad and they were conceding goals uh, by the dozen, it seemed. But but, but they were back to the 4-2-3-1, looked look pretty solid defensively. Uh, and I think more importantly, if I have to pick someone out, Rafael Leao uh, looked absolutely exceptional again. He had an 11-game goal drought for his club, but he scored a brilliant brace, uh, two, two amazing finishes. And I think he, he looked much more like his former self who, who won the MVP in the league last season uh, in, in a pure left-winger role where he can start fully outward and then, of course, drift inside as he likes to do. So perhaps I think you can expect Milan to stick to the 4-2-3-1 now because that was a huge result. Uh, speak, uh, we also had another uh, seemingly uh, certain uh, league leader uh, defeated uh, in Europe this week. I'm, of course, talking about Paris Saint-Germain. Who, who ended up losing to Lyon. And Alex has got some stuff from that game for us. What have you got, Alex? I have indeed. And for, well, you only had to see this on video, but I quite luckily got a shirt delivered by James Oliver House on Twitter, shout out. And one of them, it was a mystery box, and one of them had to be a Lyon shirt. And it was Lyon who last night beat PSG uh, 1-0 through a goal from Bradley Barcola, a 20-year-old Academy product. He's been, I think it's his seventh, uh, goal contribution this season in nine starts. So really good year from him. He was going to leave to Switzerland in January. Um, Leon under Laurent Blanc have been a little inconsistent, but that's you know standard for them. But their their young products are doing quite well. PSG on the other hand, I've been backing Christophe Galtier to an extent this season. I think they need to stick with him for another year at least. Otherwise, you really turn the club into a joke. But it's, I think the pressure really is on. There's lots of calls for Zidane to come in. Uh, we'll see what happens in the summer. But I think PSG just need to hold out. They just need to build for at least another year under Galtier and just like, just see this project through under Campos. But yeah, not a good night for uh, Le Parisien. Yeah, I think the first time in two years uh, that they lost two consecutive league matches, of course, before the World other international break as well, they they lost. So... Definitely not good times for them. 
As I say, I think they should still be comfortable as far as the title is concerned, still have a six-point lead, uh, but, but they do need to start picking up some points again. They've got Nice and Loss next. Uh, Loss, of course, who are second, six points behind them. So maybe something to, to look look out for there. Anyway, let's let's go on. Uh, we, we, we'll get into the proper managerial start, uh, chat in a bit. But quick mention uh, for Rostov to one uh, Torpedo Moscow in the Russian Premier League, where uh, Pep Grotek took charge of the seemingly doomed Torpedo Moscow for the first time, which we got him on Friday with Ben. Uh, uh, Rostov has been quite impressive this season, they're second at the moment, and even though they had a player sent off uh, early on in the first half, their goalkeeper, in fact, uh, they ended up uh, holding out for the win, scoring twice and then only conceding once. So, impressive result for them, but uh, Torpedo, they remain last uh, 11 points from uh, true safety. So, it's not looking good for them. Anyway, speaking of uh, 10-man teams winning, we had an incredible result in Turkey. We had Fenerbahce against Besiktas, of course, a huge Istanbul derby. Fenerbahce were 1-0 up at halftime, uh, thanks to a penalty uh, from uh, Ener Valencia. About five minutes into the second half, they win another penalty. And this time, uh, Besiktas have the player sent off, Wellington. Valencia steps up to take it. He puts it wide. And then, within the next 10 minutes, Besiktas take the lead. Cenk Tosun with a brace. Both goals assisted by Nathan Redmond, who you might have heard of. Uh, and, and then, they, they went on to score more. Redmond got a goal for himself. A brilliant individual goal, by the way. I think he carried, like, carried the ball half the length of the pitch almost to make it 3-1. Uh, in stoppage time, Bosa Abubakar made it 4-1, Redmond getting an assist again, so three assists and a goal for him off the bench in the second half. And then Irfan Jan Kahveci pulled one back for uh, Fenerbahce in the 95th minute, but too little and way too late by then. So a shock result there, given the circumstances. Besiktas within two points of Fenerbahce, now they have played a game more. Uh, but the, the, this is, I think, that perfect for Galatasaray, the third major Istanbul club who now have a nine-point lead at the top. Again, Fenerbahce have the game in hand, but still they have dropped off a fair bit now. So it, it could, could could spell good news for their title hopes. Uh, speaking of another title race, the extra Klasa title race in Poland uh, is well alive because league leaders uh, Rakov Czestochowa ended up losing this week against uh, second place uh, Legia Warszawa. 3-1 was the final score, uh, a fairly convincing result uh, for uh, Legia, who, who, who never trailed. They scored twice in the first half and then uh, conceded soon thereafter, but got the third goal to, to restore their cushion. And they are six points behind Rakov uh, at the top of the table. We have, I think, about eight rounds of fixtures left, so Rakov still should be comfortable. But I should say Rakov have never won a league title in their history. And in the last three seasons, they finished second. So they, they, they will want to be, uh, sorry, the last two seasons, they finished second. So they will want to be careful to, to not have that repeat uh, once again. Let's go on then. Let's go to another title race in the Netherlands, uh, where there's been uh, another twist this week. What's going on, Alex? Yes, the twist is that Ajax, after losing last week, 3-2 to Feyenoord, uh, drew 0-0 with go-ahead Eagles uh, away from home. 
Uh, I mean, Neil, I want to quickly go to you because in our pod notes, you said unbeaten since promotion after mm. Go Ahead Eagles slash Ajax. And on the, my bus home, I was trying to figure out what you meant by this because neither Go Ahead Eagles or Ajax are unbeaten since I ever got promoted. No, not that. What I meant is Go Ahead Eagles are unbeaten against Ajax since their promotion in, uh, I think, about two seasons ago. They played them four times in the league, three draws and a win. So Ajax are yet to beat them. Maybe even a bogey team. Wow, there we go. So thank you, Neil, for the, the Ajax insight. I actually watched this Feyenoord game, um, which we're about to talk about uh, briefly, of course. Uh, Feyenoord played uh, Sparta Rotterdam in a Rotterdam, um, uh, Rotterdam derby. And it's 3-1. There were some great goals in this game. It was Pinto from Sparta Rotterdam. He's their left back. He received the ball at the halfway line after it was cleared. And then kind of dribbled past two players, went found himself quite wide on the right, cut inside all the way to near finals box, and the Luxembourg left back belted into the top corner to level things up. So until 70 minutes, final looked to be dropping points, but Santiago Jimenez scoring once again, the Mexican uh, forward, having a great season, uh, 21-year-old as well. And then uh, Hanko, the centre-back, David Hanko, finished things off, which means after this weekend, final to sit, Eight points clear of Ajax with, what, eight games to go? Seven games to go at the Eredivisie? They're going to lock it up. Arne Slot's going to get them the league title. Uh, it'll be huge. Uh, four, uh, I mean, we did have the cancellation due to COVID, but uh, three-season dominance for Ajax will come to an end. And, of course, it's their big rivals final doing the job. So, look out for that. Another great title race. We have some more exciting one. Uh, we've got in the WSL in England and after uh, all the drama from last week between Manchester City and Chelsea, which we spoke of last Monday, we've got yet more drama between Manchester City and the London club. What happened this time, uh, Raphael? Yeah, um, as you alluded to, um, the tie race in the WSL is pretty exciting. I think it's probably one of the best in football right now. Um, this is another game that plays a massive role in the tie race. Obviously, Arsenal... Um, beating Manchester City 2-1. Um, when you look at the table right now, United are first with 41 points. In Chelsea are second with 40 points and the game in hand. Uh, this win takes Arsenal to 38 points with a game in hand. And uh, this loss leaves City in fourth with 38 points. So it's really tight up there. It, it, it really can. It really is ever-changing that top four. Um, it's been quite. It's been quite a lot of uh, light shone on Chelsea and United, but it really just takes one win and one slip up, and it can really change. And this game was a prime example of that. Uh, going into this game, City and Arsenal had big wins in the last week. Um, City beat Chelsea uh, the weekend uh, um, past, and Arsenal taking apart Spurs in that North London derby in the WSL, and they progressed in the Champions League. Uh, after beating Bayern Munich, so they were both teams were really coming into this game as a high, but it was City from the offset who were so dominant in the opening minutes, and they deserved their goal, which Bonnie Shaw scored. It was an excellent finish from her, and it was a 16th of the season, which um, I think is quite an unanimous now that uh, she's the player of the season in the WSL, 16 goals and four assists. Uh, I don't know what they're feeding strikers down at uh, Manchester City, but uh, Bonnie Shaw and Erling Haaland. Have been turned apart their respective leagues, and it's clearly having an impact. Um, City's front three in general were were just incredible, uh, as they usually are. Lauren Hemp um, on the left, Chloe Kelly on the right. 
once they received the ball out wide, they were so direct. Um, they they came with such intensity from the offset, uh, like they did against Chelsea, and it was so prevalent that they would push Arsenal back just from out wide, get the ball out wide, really push Arsenal's backline back, really push Arsenal's double pivot back. You'd you would often see Lauren Williamson, who was playing in midfield in that game. Um, she would just drop into the centre back kind of centre back um to form almost a back five because they were really getting overload out wide and it was quite prevalent um that City weren't just pushing them back. They were they almost putting they were almost suffocating. It was really suffocating in that first half. And uh in the second half, Arsenal were a much different side. Uh what they lacked in general over quality, um, they made up in, in their experience and they weathered City's storm of attack after attack. Lauren Hemp had a really good chance to make it 2-0, um, which he blazed over the bar. Um, but a bundled equalizer and a lovely goal from um Katie McCabe who um, called one into the top corner um, with like 20 minutes to go, got Arsenal over the line. And like I said earlier, um, this result leaves both sides um, still in the title race, but with Arsenal's priorities seemingly lying on the Champions League and their semi-final tie against Wolfsburg, you wouldn't be surprised to see Johannes Eidevel's side gradually fade away from the title aspirations. And as for City, they'll be fine to get into those Champions League spots. Um, there's only three available in the WSL, so it'll be all eyes on that. Uh, but the WL, the WSL is set up for an incredible end in the next couple of weeks, and uh, I'm sure everyone is excited for it. Yeah, incredible end, you say. On the penultimate match day, we've got a Manchester derby and a London derby between Chelsea and Arsenal. So, as you say, huge for the Tigers and the Champions League race because only three of these four teams are going to make it. So, that's definitely something to watch. Uh, quickly, let's go over to uh, another rivalry in Greece, which is also pretty exciting. We've got three teams uh, properly involved here. Uh, results this week mean that we've got a tie at the top of the table. Panathinaikos with the leaders uh, going into the week, but, but they only managed to draw. So, IK winning against uh, Pauk uh, Thessaloniki means that they have jumped uh, to first on goal difference. And then three points below those two, we've got... Uh, Olympiakos, who also could only manage to draw uh, against Aris Thessaloniki. So, of course, this is going to be super close as well. This is a championship group, just six teams. Uh, so, these sides will be playing each other soon. Uh, and, and this should also get pretty dramatic towards the end of the season, which is well, fast approaching. Uh, and another interesting story we've got from Germany is uh, that of uh, Turbine Potsdam. Who, I think we mentioned them a while back when they were not having a great time, to say the least. They had one point from 11 games, if I'm not mistaken, in the Bundesliga. Plum last, of course, looking absolutely doomed. But since then, they've, they they went on to draw the, the, their game against Köln, 0-0. And then after that, they beat 10th place Meppen. And then after that, this weekend, they beat 6th place Freiburg. They're definitely getting better. Now, they're only 5 points from safety. So... I mean, it, 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 they still have a long way to go, still need to get some results. But if they can pull it off, it's, it's going to be one of the greatest escapes I've seen. Because as I said, halfway point of the season, they only had one point, lost 10 to 1. So to, to come to survive from that is would be quite, quite incredible. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that uh, develops. Uh, and let's, let's, let's also quickly go over to uh, Denmark where we had uh, some some good results, some exciting results in in the relegation group. So not so exciting results. 
in the championship group. Uh, at the top, uh, Copenhagen beat Nordsjelland 2-1 with, with a comeback win in the second half and, and an 80-second winner to finally retake the lead of the Superliga. They got off to a terrible start of the season, uh, sacked their manager in, I think, September or October, uh, promoted the assistant who's, who's, in, who's been in charge since and I think especially since the, the, the restart, they've looked very much back to their best. Now, their first, Nordsjelland have not been so great. They've been stepping off a bit. So I can't see them uh, really challenging too much so far. So you should expect Copenhagen to to race away with the the title. But in the relegation group, we've got a really interesting result. We've got Ove uh, of Alborg, who, who uh, scored a huge 4-0 win against Horsens. So Ove uh, were in the they were last actually uh, going into the the weekend. They were what I think eight points below horses, eight points from safety. But with this one, of course, the gaps closed down to five points. And I mean, as I say, that's a statement result. So perhaps they, they could they could pull it off, that they could manage to survive. So that's also something to keep an eye on. Uh, certainly in Denmark, that is the point of intrigue. Uh, and let, let's go on then. Uh, let's go on to Italy, where I think we should also mention. The, the Champions League race, of course, we talked about Napoli against Milan, a big one for Milan, but what are all the other clubs getting up to? Well, let's hear from Alex about Lazio. Yes, I wanted to touch on Lazio because they are currently second in Serie A under Maurizio Sarri. Um, they won 2-0 at the weekend to uh, Monza, uh, away at home, away from home. Uh, Pedro and Milinkovic Savage scoring. Sarri hasn't played much youth, but I think it's quite interesting that he's quietly pulling ahead in his second season, four points clear of um, Milan in third. I mean, you know, so I'd be all eyes on them next year, as we all know what Sarri can do. Napoli are living proof of that. And as well, elsewhere in the top four, Inter have fallen to fourth from second. Apparently, he's, Simone Inzaghi has got three games to uh, save his job. I read in the Gazzetta dello Sport that um, the only way he stays is if he qualifies for the final of the Champions League and top four in Serie A. So big, big pressure on him, and especially since Inter are tied with points, um, on points with Roma, uh, Hosemarinas Roma, who beat Sampdoria, which isn't too hard, three 0 at the weekend, and then Atalanta only two points behind them, and Juventus are only six points behind top four as well. So really heating up in Syria. That, that that should be one to watch as well. That's I mean, that's enough about all the regular matches. Let's now get into the fun stuff. Let's get into the managerial chat because, as I said, we have got a load of stuff uh, from from the weekend. All right, let's first jump back to Denmark, where we had uh, we have a couple of managerial debuts this week. Uh, Thomas Thomasberg took charge of uh, Edson Midgelon, uh, of course, in the relegation group, going in very surprising fashion. Uh, they uh, so he left. Uh, uh, let me first say this: he left Rondes. Uh, who are also in the relegation group. Uh, so he was replaced by his assistant, Rasmus Bertelsen, at Rondes. They are currently in action. So Bertelsen is making his debut as we speak against uh, AGF. Uh, sorry, I, 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 I should also note, importantly, Rondes are in the promotion group. So uh, Thomas, Thomas Berg technically has made a step down in terms of this season. But of course, as we've discussed before, Medellin much bigger, more successful financially, uh, much a more powerful club than uh, Rondas, so expect him and them to be back at the top uh, next season. But anyway, uh, Thomas Berg's first match was against Obe, 
uh, and they won 3-1 away from home. A couple of early set-piece goals uh, really deciding that match, uh, but, but they seemed in control. So, so good start for him. Uh, then another good start was in Spain. Jose Luis Mendelibar taking charge of Sevilla. They faced Cadiz in not just an Andalusian derby, but also a huge battle in a, a huge match. Sorry, in the relegation battles, very very close in La Liga. Uh, uh, the, these teams started the match Sevilla and Cadiz level on points. Spiguin takes uh, Sevilla four points uh, clear of the relegation zone. Cadiz, of course, uh, just within one point, but still from 18th place Almeria to the relegation zone to 13th place Sevilla. So it's only four points. Uh, and, and it could all change, especially because Sevilla have got a bit of a tough run of fixtures now, not just the Europa League quarterfinal against Manchester United, but even in the league, their matches are against uh, European contenders. So perhaps they could drop, certainly they will drop points, I'd say, again. But uh, Spain have been busy sacking managers uh, today, two sackings. Real Valladolid first uh, sacked Pacheta. This one rather surprised me, actually. They're doing decent. They they, they have started to slip back. They're 16th now. But I, I thought, uh, certainly in the first half of the season, he, he did quite well. But I, I suppose maybe with, with the results going south now and uh, the this ultra-tight relegation battle that I mentioned, perhaps they thought pull, uh, getting in a new manager was the best way forward. So he's gone. Uh, and and then uh, just a few hours later, Espanyol uh, sacked uh, Diego Martinez, and they are seventeenth, level on points with Almeria, just uh, outside the relegation zone on goal difference. So I suppose you can understand that one. Uh, so uh, we'll see how the new managers get on next week. But those are two sackings from Spain. They've also been busy sacking uh, people in England, but we also had a new manager. Uh, making a debut, or, well, I should say more of a re- return on the weekend. We had Roy Hudson back for Crystal Palace uh, and, and back in some some fashion too. It was quite a dramatic match. Uh, Rafael was keeping on that one, so let's hear from him about Crystal Palace. Uh, yeah, as you said, uh, Roy Hudson is back, first game back since replacing Patrick Vieira uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, but this game was very interesting in many factors. Um, obviously, it's very interesting before the game and it's extremely interesting after now that we know what has happened to one of these managers. Um, just to quickly over the game, there were only two points between them before the game started. So it was like a real six-pointer. Um, Leicester would have fancied themselves to win. Um, for all we hear about Hodgson as a manager, the defensive solidity that his career has been built on, his career has been praised on, and his managerial st- style has been based on, um, Palace would as you said, play some expansive stuff. They were, they were really good in this game. Um, it, was, it was a shame to see Wilfred Zaha go off with what seems like a season-ending uh, groin injury. Um, but And the reports, as we all know, are indicating that Zaha will leave in the summer for free. So if that's the last time we see him in a Palace show, that's a real shame because he would have been vital to not just them staying up, but um, potentially them guys not getting out the the um, the, the relegation, relegation zone and I'm telling you, even staying for longer, you might have signed a new contract with, with Roy Hudson. We don't know how his long-term future would see as well, but he will undoubtedly go down as one of the best players to play for Crystal Palace in modern history. Um, but when Zaha was on the pitch, him, Eze, and Elise, true, we didn't see much under Vieira, played some gorgeous football, actually, because you, you saw Eze playing a much deeper role, um, Elise on the right, Zaha on the left, and they were combining in and around Leslie's box and really creating some good chances. 
Um, but despite the chances, despite their dominance, Ricardo Pereira came on in the second half and literally seconds after he scored a really nice effort, curling him into the top corner. Um, but Leicester, who have so much quality, they started uh, Daka, Madison, Bands, Tete, really good front four. They n- never really threatened in this game and their lack of threat was punished by Eze and he scored a really nice free kick. It came off the Leicester goalkeeper and it would have gone down as uh, as an own goal. But realistically, it was a, it was it was Eze's free kick. It, it, it was pretty much his goal from there. Um, but they pushed on for the winner. It's an understatement to say they were the dominant side. Palace had thirty one shots. Um, if you told a Crystal Palace fan they were going to have thirty one shots against Leicester City, I think I think they would have. But they were dreaming, you know. Um, it just highlighted the superiority throughout the entire game. And Manchester's last minute winner um, gave them the three points they deserve. But away from the result, away from the game, and as we now know, Brendan Rodgers has been sacked. Um, he got sacked uh, yesterday, Sunday, early afternoon. And I don't think anyone was surprised. Leicester sit 19th in the table. They've lost 17 games this season. And it's been a season of trust being lost between Rodgers and the owners. Uh, a lack of investment in not just the summer window, um, but the, the winter window. I believe Tete was a, a loan deal um, with an uh, option. I think it was an option to buy. Um, so even 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 when they didn't even when they did go into the window to get a player, they, they, there wasn't a lot more a lot of money thrown at, at Rogers. Despite all the things he's done, the back the back to back fifth place finish is just narrowly missing out Champions League football. The FA Cup, the Community Shield, Rogers has done an incredible job at Leicester. But uh, when you ask him about the aspirations for the club going forward, he speaks with such hopelessness. And it was clear that. His time at Leicester was coming to an end and it was clear that the owners knew that. And uh, when they got into a situation where they were financially stable enough to eventually sack Rodgers, they didn't hesitate, um, as we've seen from this uh, sacking. Um, his future successor is still unclear. Um, both Potter, Graham Potter and uh, Rafa Benitez have been to take over. And in fact, Potter's apparently already turned down that move, um, which, which is really interesting because... To think that um, Potter was sacked from Chelsea literally hours after Rodgers was sacked and then going to quickly turn out a move shows that he's not he's not looking to rush back into management anytime soon. But personally, um, I don't know what you guys think, but personally, I would ride it out. I'd back the players they have. They've got some high-caliber players. Um, I've just named some of them. And you look into the summer and I'll just look for a total reset. They've got the lack of Tienemans. His contract is running down. So Inchi's contract is running down. Um, Madison's contract runs down in 2024. Indeed, his contract runs down in 2024. Yeah, Natural's contract runs down in 2024. I'm sure Jamie Vardy will be looking to move on. I'll be looking to total reset, get a new manager then, and, and, and really just reset the entire club as a whole and start a new project again. Um, I'd love to hear what you guys think about that. Yeah, I'll hop in because um, I, I, I think it's a bit more what's happened at Leicester. Like, I was reading the Athletics article just now and they're saying how Rogers, you know, he's been turning people off there since last year where he was like pleading for, um, just, he's just basically saying we need to kill the squad, we need to restart it, we need to reboot it. And sure, maybe it, you did need to say that, but he's just killed, that he, he killed the confidence of some players and other players like Ndidi, you mentioned Ndidi, Tielemans and um, someone else, I believe, uh, well, the sort of high ranking players were Absolutely. just... It, it wasn't Madison. It wasn't Madison named. Fair enough to oh, him, okay. but, but but he probably was. Probably was. Like players were just going right. We need to find 
a new place to go and they just couldn't get out of Leicester due to contracts and transfer fees. And I, I honestly think if they go down, they'll be the best Premier League team to ever be relegated. Best in quotation marks because they have absolutely no right to be relegated with Ian Acho, Madison, Dakar. Um, I, I know indeed Ian Tielemans have underperformed, but still, like, it's, it's, it's crazy seeing a team who, like, three or four years ago, we were saying, could they replace, like, an Arsenal or Spurs in the top four? Like, could they really solidify? And now it's like, are they going to stay in the Premier League? And you don't know. It's mental. Yeah, I mean, of course, the relegation battle is super tight. They're 19th right now, but uh, three points above them are 13th place Wolves. So, you know, if if, if Neymar comes in and gets, gets the score playing half as good as they can, then I reckon they, they should be safe. And just having a look at a couple of models, uh, 538 give them a 21% chance of relegation right now. Uh, and, and that's the one, two, three, four, fifth, sixth uh, likeliest. So, there are five teams uh, other other than them who 538 reckon have a higher chance of getting relegated. Uh, I think Opta's model, the analyst, uh, gives them something around a uh, 12% chance of going down. So, I'd still say even though they are in the relegation zone right now, they're, they're definitely not favourites to go down. Uh, but, but, I mean, whoever comes in does need to uh, get them playing well again. And, of course, as you say, it's not going to be Potter. Uh, he, he's, he's apparently turned them down, so I'm interested to see who uh, comes in next. But, of course, just quickly mention as well, uh, Graham Potter, of course, sacked from Chelsea uh, after the loss to Aston Villa for them. Uh, Links uh, already emerging for uh, Julian Nagelsmann to take over. We spoke about him only last week when he was sacked from Bayern. It seems he, he might directly find, find a new job, but, of course, we'll see if that materialises. But, but there's been sackings everywhere, man. There's been sackings in Germany as well. Uh, I think just a few hours before we hit record, uh, Bruno Labbadia was sacked from Stuttgart, who are also in an equally tight relegation battle. Uh, that's certainly been uh, seems to be a theme in, in, in Europe's big leagues. Uh, Stuttgart I, I, uh, are, of course, in, involved in, in that scrap. They are currently at the bottom. They lost this weekend to Union Berlin, 3-0. Uh, and I think they've lost four of the last five games and, and drawn the other one. So, they they are in a bit of trouble. They are only two points behind 16 plus Hertha, which is the playoff, uh, the relegation playoff spot. But five now behind Hoffenheim got a huge win this weekend. So, they, they are slipping off a bit uh, uh, at risk of, you know, being cut adrift from, from safety. So, they've decided to act. Uh, rumors linking Alexander Blessing for that job. Uh, personally, I, I'd like to see that because uh, I'm a fan of Blessed. I really enjoyed what he did at uh, Oostende in Belgium. Uh, didn't didn't go so well for him at Genoa in Italy, though there were some signs, I thought, uh, some positive signs. Uh, so I'll, I'll, be, I'll be interested to see how he gets on if he does get this job. But uh, of course, we'll see if that does happen. But yeah, I think that's, that's what we've got from the weekend. Uh, we do... This is, of course, as I said, the Champions League is next week in in UEFA in Europe, but we have got a very, very busy uh, week coming up. We've got loads of cups all over the place, cups in Spain, Germany, Italy, uh, semi-finals in in Switzerland, uh, and a a great chance for uh, a a less fancy team to reach the final. Basel against uh, Young Boys is one, 
and, and, and in the other, I believe it's uh, Servet certainly who are involved. Uh, uh, so we could perhaps see them make a final and uh, get a chance at their first major title in Gotham Tender against Lugano. That's on Wednesday. Uh, in, in the Netherlands, we've got a huge fixture with third-tier amateurs Spakenburg against PSV, who you might have heard of. In Poland as well, we've got a third-tier side uh, against Legia Warsaw. Again, you might have heard of them. Cook Cups as well in Austria, Denmark, loads of places across uh, Europe. Uh, we've got a couple of leagues here and there, uh, some Premier League fixtures in England, some Pro League fixtures in Saudi Arabia. Got some more huge matches. Copa Libertadores, Copa Sudamericana getting underway in South America. CONCACAF Champions League, quarterfinals getting underway in North America. And uh, the women's international break uh, is, is, is what we've got for, for the next couple of weeks. And, and this week, we've got the finalissima between England and Brazil. So that's something to watch out for as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's looking like a very busy week. Lots to look forward to. Uh, we'll, of course, be back on Friday on Patreon to not only go over all of that, which will take quite some time, but we'll also do, to look ahead to the next weekend where we'll have yet more big games. But, but for today, uh, that, that this is it. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, big thanks to Rafael and Alex for their time. Uh, and yeah, see, see you uh, either on Friday if you can join us or next Monday. Take care. Bye-bye.